Spellstorm Miniatures is a show about tabletop war games, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press, and we want to inspire you to play more. Hey, welcome back to Spellstorm Miniatures. This is episode number 17, and I'm Jeremiah. I'm Dan. I'm Chad. And uh, we want to welcome all of you to another exciting episode. Uh, today, uh, we have an interesting topic that we wanted to share with you. And so, Dan, uh, could you do us a favor and just tell us what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, packing and shipping those models or just kind of moving around for with them on a long distance. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as someone who spends a fair amount of time on eBay, uh, Dan, um, you uh, you know how to you know how things ship well and don't ship well, don't you? Yeah. Some and there's other sites as well besides that guy, <laughs> but yeah. I know, but uh, eBay is the only one that I know of. <laughs> yeah. um, well, uh, before we want to get started uh, too far, just uh, let's talk about some games. Have you guys uh, played any games lately? Sadly, not I. Uh, some non-war machine games. Uh, I played a game of Song of Ice and Fire against uh, Jeremy Brookshire, also known as Remy. Um, he played his Night's Watch, and I played my Starks uh, through... He kind of had some bad dice in a couple of places, and mm-hmm. I played a strategic tactics card to prevent him from playing other tactics cards for the rest of the turn, and I did it pretty early in the activations, and so I was able to just kind of really mm. hit him pretty hard against the Night's Watch, and those guys are kind of tough to remove, but I had a better handle on it the second time playing, so um, I felt like I had some... Some good dice, but also like I felt like I had a better handle on yeah. the way that I was you like playing the game to my advantage, basically, and it felt pretty cool. So uh, yeah. I like the list that I built—a forty-point list. I'm looking forward to playing it again in the future. Nice. Um, other than that, just I started playing Magic Arena um, to kind of scratch my itch for <laughs> playing standard Magic without having to spend a bunch of money to pl- to build a deck to play in tournaments that I'm not going to be able to play in. So yeah, I'd rather spend money on miniatures anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. Like I'm I'm trimming back my Magic collection quite a bit so that I can get into uh, Song of Ice and Fire, more into Monster Apocalypse, and then I'm also planning on getting into Infernals once nice. they get released. So That's I'm cool. trying to I'm trying to trim back and uh, and then dive deeper more into the miniatures game just because I. I found, especially recently, I've been enjoying it a lot more than the magic that I have been playing. So That's cool. Yeah, on the subject of Song of Ice and Fire, uh, Wes and I have gotten in a couple of games. Um, both of them have been 30 points. Okay. And so we, he played a uh, nice watch, and I played my Free Folk, and we used the same scenario in both games. And the results were very different. Um, in the first game, he won... Um, pretty decisively, he was just kind of annihilating my guys. I don't remember if he won. Um, I don't remember if we finished the game and, and he won by victory points or if he won by wiping me out. The, I actually don't remember that detail because that was a few a uh, few games ago. Um, but the most recent game, um, I came back with a revised list and he came with pretty much the same list. And, um, and then the, I basically tried to use Free Folk's Strength by having more units mm, and yeah. so so i removed the giants and i just added more uh, another unit trapper more dudes more dudes and dudes 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 and it totally worked out in my favor mm-hmm. um there was one scenario there's one scene oh. where um on the right my right flank um, there was an objective 
and he had uh, claimed the objective on like real early, and then I was able to get a free maneuver, and then um, and then eventually get in position to charge, and and so he retreated one guy, and then he had another unit that was going to come in and then charge that unit, and uh, so that I couldn't claim that objective, and and he failed on his on his charge roll. Oh no! And, and so that was a that was pretty deciding actually um, for that for that victory point. And so um, in the after round two, I had four victory points, which means I was halfway to victory already after oh, round wow. two, and then. Um, and then after, and then I basically went after round three. I had eight points at point, that point. Yeah. Um, and so, because at 30 points, that's all you need. Um, yeah. You need eight victory points. And I was able to remove one unit thanks to some tactic cards. Yeah. But there was one dicey moment in turn three where he did the same kind of thing, where he um, he he had uh, he had a flank charge. He had one guy charged into a flank position. And so now my guy's outnumbered two units to one. And he was able to play a tactics card that prevented me from playing any tactic cards for the rest of the turn. Yep. Yeah, those ones are but, so strong. But that was just for that specific unit, and so oh, okay. so it wasn't as it wasn't as far sweeping as maybe the one that you played against yeah. Remy. But uh, so, but what that meant was I couldn't actually reinforce that unit because in my hand was a reinforcement card, and I was mm. like, oh, I need to play this and I need to play it yeah. now before he activates the second unit. Yeah. And so had he um, had he not done that, then I would have been smooth sailing. Um, but um, but he did it, so I couldn't. So I had to sweat out the dice roll when his mm. second unit activated, and thankfully yep. he didn't have enough hits to. You know, to remove that unit because if he'd done that, then I wouldn't have won after after yeah. turn three. So I haven't played with one of the scenarios yet. Remy and I mostly have been just trying to get a better handle on it because we both we both come from War Machine and there's you know similarities in the miniatures games, but there's also like a lot of other different things. Like the tactics yeah. deck is basically like you're playing Grimkin with very very active Arcana all the time because you can yeah. play cards in reaction to things that are happening and you can do it a lot throughout the game so much as you like as long as you've still got tactics cards in your hands there's lots of very easy triggers like yeah. when a unit charges when a unit fails a morale check there's all sorts of different things well i would uh, actually but it's very um, interesting i would actually make the comparison more to company of iron uh, yeah because you because you're because you're cycling through and and it's and it but instead of having a generic uh every I guess you have your generic cards, like your standard fourteen, mm-hmm. that are always they will always They're be always a part in of your deck. deck. And then depending on what your commander is, is what the extra six cards will be. Yep. And um, and but you get to cycle through those. There's a hand limit. There's there's things like that that are very company of iron esque. Yeah. Um. And 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 they can they can trigger a lot of things. And I was able to get a free charge on his cav unit mm. with my spear wives, mm. and that was pretty impactful too. And that was on, yeah. that was on the left flank. Yeah. So I did notice going from 30 points to 40 points, having a second NCU character made a really big difference because yeah. I had five units and two NCUs, So I had seven activations. That's great. And Starks love a lot of maneuverability. So one of the first things that I almost always took was the, the maneuver and mm-hmm. then using that to get something up the field and then move around and then taking that and then the extra attack. Um, yeah. And there's, there was one of the tactics cards I had where, um, taking the maneuver one, like if you play it when a unit charges, if you have the maneuver position, it's considered as rolling a six mm-hmm. on your charge. Uh, so what is it? Um, 
You play it when a unit charges, and it generates two additional hits, two automatic hits. If you control the maneuver placement, it changes it to it's an automatic six, and then it's automatic two wounds. Ooh. Yeah. That's and, vicious. And doing that with like a unit, of ca- the Stark Cav that get a free maneuver at the beginning of the activation. Yep. Like, oh man. That's vicious. It was a bit, It was a good wombo combo, and I and I made Remy hurt with it yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. One of the things that I've realized with Free Folk is it's just dudes. It's dudes. And you don't it's, care about them. It's just... And fun. and if someone dies, it's their units are in, insignificant, so you don't get victory points for them. Yeah. And so I can just... I just throw dudes, and, and that's what happens. And yeah. honestly, I love, I love playing the like that. The Grey Tide in real free action. <laughs> it's real true. So, Dan, have you, right. ever, have you ever played a miniatures game that uses a tray? No, not like, like units on the tray. Yeah. On the, no, yeah. I have not. So one of the things that's really interesting is is Song of Ice and Fire uses 2D terrain, just like War Machine. So that's a nice, easy, you know, uh, crossover. Um, but having units on a tray um, changes the movement a little bit. Yes, that's and one so, thing that I've been noticing. It's yeah. like it really, really, because you have to maneuver, because you're moving the tray, you're twisting the tray, you're pivoting it very frequently, like with a maneuver or with charges, like... The charge action is you pivot, you move your speed, and then you pivot. Oh no! And then you That's make the dice roll. Yeah. Uh, but like when you're when you're doing that, and then you're also combining it with like I was doing it a lot with my cav, where I was like, okay, I get a free I get a free maneuver at the beginning of my activation, so I pivot, move, pivot again, and then I'm declaring a charge, so that I can pivot again if I want to, and then I move, and then I make my dice roll for the successful charge. And um, the way the geometry of the dice tray. Um, and trying to get measurements at certain places and making sure that you've got space for them uh, is very, very different. And it's very interesting. It's taken a little while to get a hold of, but mm. playing a high maneuver, a highly maneuverable faction, I think has been helping the learning process because I'm doing yeah. it constantly. Yeah. yeah, like I'm constantly moving stuff around, so I'm getting better a better handle on it after yeah. two games. I have so Dan, I had seven units on the table and an NCU. Oh, so I had geez. eight activations. My, and we're playing on a 4x4 four four mat. And that's only a 30-point game. That's Holy only crap. A 30 point game. I was almost end-to-end in my deployment zone mm-hmm. with, with my guys. It's a 4x4 four four board. It's yeah. a 4x4. Four four. So, <laughs> so I don't have a lot of maneuverabilities, yeah. but I do have placement issues. And one of the fun things that I got to learn in my most recent game is order of activations in terms of because you, you can trigger effects with your tactic cards, but then also you can your commander also gives certain things too mm-hmm. and your NCUs and things like that. And so um, and so you can actually stack a couple effects on top of each other. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that was one of the uh, that was one of the big things I got to do against Remy was I was attacking with uh, Eddard's Eddard Stark's house guard unit with him attached to it. And I played a tactics card on top of it. Um, so the Stark Sworn Swords have an ability of, uh, it's a trigger ability when you, called Stark's Fury, um, when you attack, you can declare to get a plus one to hit, and then uh, the critical blows, so your your sixes count as two strikes, but then you take D3 oh, wounds at the end yeah. of it, um, but I stacked that on top of something else, and so I, I ended up getting 
it was some it was some crazy combo. I think it was extra attacks or something like that, or an out of activation attack. And I stacked Stark's Fury on top of it, and I rolled like two sixes and like five other hits or something like that. That's crazy in the attack. And it's like, oh, okay, so that's two, four, and then nine hits. Like, make your make your nine armor checks. <laughs> yeah, and my poor free folk that would just annihilate a whole unit. Yeah, it's sad. So. Um, one of the things that Wes and I are doing is is we're alternating um, between Song of Ice and Fire and then Frostgrave. Mm, and yeah. so another non-War Machine game I got to play is, is, is Frostgrave. And, um, and so we played, I think, the second scenario of the Thaw of the Lich Lord. Mm. And uh, what's very interesting is, is Wes and I both selected the same kind of wizard. Um, oh, really? Yeah, we're both witches. Okay. And so, and so that means some of our spells are also similar, which means our play style is very similar too. So we're we're pushing people and with with the spell leap and we're you know we're moving things and and um, and so the first two games, the first two sessions in our campaign, have really been based on uh, really been even in terms of collecting the number of treasure mm-hmm. and then and so and so we're we're leveling up the same. It's and I and I feel like the in the future it's going to start to get real imbalanced real quick. Um, one of the things that's interesting is his warband. He hired better personnel for his warband than I did, mm. and so that I'm seeing that effect on the table. Quality. <laughs> so, well, you know, um, I was going for this sort of thematic thing, and yeah. it's just not as yeah. power. Like I hired a bard. Because you were being fluffy, and he's being number crunchy. No, he's. He's being fine. It's fine. It's, it works. But I'm going to tell okay. you, two bears to the face hurts. And so um, I don't have bears. Trolls can tell you so, all yeah. about that. <laughs> See so, earlier discussion. Yeah. yeah. So Earlier off, off uh, mic discussion. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I, I'm in a good spot right now. I'm getting a fair amount of, of games in, yeah. you know, uh, especially with Wes. And then, um, and then I've also got... A fair amount of War Machine games in lately. Yeah, Are you guys get any War Machine games in? No, no. Okay, no. I've just been I've, I've just been getting pumped for Monpok actually because yeah, uh, three of our guys that are normally uh, Magic players have all started getting into Monster Apocalypse, and so like they've nice. been really excited about it. I picked up Sky Sentinel about a week and a half ago, and then I picked up Kraken Octus when he came out last week. Yeah. And I'm just like, I need to get a couple more units, and then I can play a two-monster game. Cool. But I'm just really excited to... And I painted my Sky Sentinel in, like, a couple of hours, so he's looking super sweet. Cool. Dan, you get into Monpok? No, I haven't, but then, like I said, the aliens look kind of cool. That uh, Krakenopolis or whatever, I actually saw that model. I was like, that just looks... Fun. I silly saw it. <laughs> so Join cool. the dark side. Join then, us. Add that to my trade list. Along with Song of Fire and or Ice and Fire, apparently, and whatever else. We have to get some dragons in there, or some. Uh, the the some Targaryens are king. coming yeah. eventually. So word yeah. on the street is they'll have dragons. Soon. All right. All so, right. Yeah. What about the Night Night King? <laughs> I, you know. You know what's funny? They, here's a, okay. Here's the funny army. part. They haven't I, I said know. what all the factions are going to be, and a lot of people are tossing around the idea of it. Like, yeah. But I don't know how different it would be from Free Folk is the thing. So I actually know nothing about the IP. I didn't read. I haven't read a single book, and I haven't watched a single episode. What? And so right? I am. I know. Here's the thing: I'm playing the game strictly based on its rules, mm-hmm. and and I have no attachment to any of the characters. And so it's it's very interesting to look at a game 
from that perspective versus because uh, a lot of times what draws me into a game is the characters or yeah. the storyline. Yeah. Like that's one of the things why that's why I love the the Malifaux universe mm-hmm. because it is so character driven. Yeah. And the stories are so essential. And so um, and and so like so I'm playing Song of Aspire not because I know what's what's like I don't know this guy from that guy. I'm playing because I think the rules are awesome. Yeah, and I, it's such a sweet game. The the it's story universe, game. the story universe, and the 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 two things that drew actually three ish things. The two things uh, that drew me to it is one just the universe because I love the universe. Uh, like I've read the books and almost caught up on the show. I need to finish it. The second thing that is kind of tied into that is one of the units that I heard was coming out for the Lannisters is um, it's the it's the um, oh my gosh, it's Joffrey and the and the King's Guard and the King's Guard. You can have them either as an entire unit together as themselves, in which case they all get all the different benefits, or you can break off. Apparently, you can break off the different King's Guards and you can actually use them as different attachments to different units to buff them in different ways, which was really really cool to me. And then the other thing that drew me to it was just the entire concept of the NCU board, because I think it's a fascinating addition to a miniatures game and it's also a really because it's like i love the universe it's a really cool way to see all those non-combatant really important characters in the storyline still affect the battlefield in a certain yeah. way nice yeah so. and that that's actually um an element that that is very fascinating yeah and so even yeah and like i said even if you don't know who that person is that what they can do on the battlefield yeah. is amazing yeah so back to back to war machine I was games. Gonna say, we're gonna have to rename this uh, <laughs> this podcast uh, episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what? We just like to play games yeah. and yeah. we like to talk about the games we play. It happens that we play a lot of games. Yes. And so and that's... are really currently very excited about <laughs> yeah. a couple of them. But uh, yeah, what what war machine true. games have you gotten in? Because uh, I haven't gotten I haven't played a war machine game in a couple of weeks. Oh, I've got some good ones in. So, um, well, I got one really good one in. I should say. Uh, so we, Oz and I went to Rune Board last week, and 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 remember Jordan, who we were introducing the game to. Uh, you know, we texted each other and we're like, "Hey, we're gonna go." And and so when we got there, um, I worked kind of late on Wednesday, and so I didn't get there at a reasonable hour. He was already there and was already set up and already playing Andrew. Yes. And oh, and cool. so and it was a 10 point game I think. And so I thought one I thought it was really cool that Andrew was was playing Jordan and uh, and two I thought it was really cool that he was playing someone other than me or Oz. You know, and and he was our, and he was doing it before we even got there. <laughs> so we got there everyone was kind of all busy mm-hmm. like games were already in action and or people were painting. And so Oz and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, do you want to play each other? And so we did. We set up and we played each other. And I am working on Morgul 2 currently. And this is what I've discovered. Because at Wednesday on Rune Board, I assassinated Oz uh, with the combination of the feet and mortality and some shenanigans. And then on Saturday, Oz and I got a couple games in. And in the first one, I assassinated Oz again with nice, the feeds nice. and mortality and shenanigans. I, I think that Morgul 2 is the perfect anti-troll bloods caster because I can just I get rid of the tough, you know, and I get rid of I could just whatever you want, I can I can go in there and then I can I can still get you as long as I can hit his high defense, right? Which is the 
which is the is the rub. Yeah. And um, but I was but I rolled well and was able to do so. And so Oz, after having lost twice to Morgul two in the same week, um, wasn't <laughs> wasn't very happy. And uh, and so I said, hey, want to hit reset? And so we hit reset. And I said, I'll I'll change my list out. And so I removed Morgul two and I inserted Morgul one. And we had a a much better game. And I was playing hard on scenario. So it was um, the championship belt thing, Mm, um, whichever the pit two, I think is his name. Yeah. And, um, and at the end, uh, round three, I guess, or two, um, I was up for nothing on scenario. And so it was looking like, I know I was playing hard on it and it was looking like, um, it was looking like I was just going to win on the end of his turn. And so, uh, which would have been top of four or something. And so he, uh, so he decides that he's going to just go all out and try for the assassination and, um, got it. And so, oh, there you go. so, um, I did something silly with Morgul. So basically I, he has a spell that allows a guy uh, so if, someone, if an enemy model advances and ends this movement within six inches of, this model can move like uh, three inches. Oh, or, admonition. Or admonition, yeah. yeah. So basically I put admonition on my Cyclops Shaman. And so what I should have done is either A, put admonition on myself. Yes. Or I should have casted um, Molokarn's Animus and Repo 5 just to get out of dodge. Yeah. I did neither of those things, which left me with, uh, for one champ to get in. And that's yeah. all that it wow. took. And so, um, it was, uh, but I was, but I, I had spent, um, that previous turn, I had spent a lot of energy on, on trying to clear a unit of warders from a box mm. because I really wanted to play scenario and I really wanted to pressure Oz and I wanted to win on scenario and uh and so he and so i just spent a lot of energy doing that and it left me kind of depleted you know i was camping nothing and and so and so he that he saw this hail mary opportunity good for him yep and he did it and so put me in the dirt and it was but it was a much better game so and he he obviously felt better after that one so (laughs) (laughs) yeah at least he didn't get snacked by a mauler yeah, yeah, you're right. This is the first time that I have <laughs> you haven't died a to a mauler. The mauler has like a ten and zero record against me or something. <laughs> like, it's silly. <laughs> so yeah, so those are those are my War Machine games. Um, mostly, I think I had one the week before, but I don't remember any details about it, so I'm not going to talk about it. I was going to say with Abnonition, quick pro tip: don't yeah. use it if the other pro- person has a Toro. It's not going to wind up good for you. <laughs> At least don't walk towards that Toro. Yeah. Oh, what does a Toro do against Has it? Has counter charge. Counter charge. Oh, so you, yeah. he moves in, and then you move back, and then he charges, charges you. <laughs> yeah, and, fin- and then finishes their regular activation. Oh, excellent. Good uh, Good. Good thing. It is there. really funny, actually, though, to do it to... I mean, you can put admonition onto a bronze back, and you can trigger mm-hmm. admonition and then trigger counter charge, and yes. counter charge something back that's charging you. Oh. Yeah. Okay, because you can stack the you can yeah. stack the triggers. Yeah, because I have uh, I have a bronze back in my list. I love my bronze back. Yeah. Oh, he did some van damage there too. You go. Yeah. <laughs> he was able to beat back uh, one of the. He had two maulers, I think, 
and mm. I was able to beat back one of them out of the zone, which allowed me to yeah, um, which allowed me to clear that zone. So I didn't I didn't kill the Mahler, but he was not scoring. Yeah, yeah exactly. Testing. So yeah. Well, our our main topic, I guess, is about um, packing and shipping, and um, I thought maybe we'd start with an antidote. Mm, yeah. And and so uh, when I first started um, playing miniatures in any kind of meaningful way um i only bought them you know from the store and they would you know i would buy them same here same here right and you know i would build them and um prime them at least and then and then play them and then uh then guardian had a used bin and i remember when i bought my first destroyer like i had no idea what that jack was and i had to ask all the war machine guys hey what jack is this oh i think that's a destroyer Ooh, i don't have one of those i'm gonna buy it right Mm -hmm. and it was already assembled and it was in the used bin and it wasn't you know it was much less than a full price destroyer right um but then dan started playing war machine (laughs) and then and dan you um you introduced me to a whole new world of miniatures <laughs> buying. Um, can you talk about a little bit about that? <laughs> uh, just searching for the bargain, right? Um, you know, it's always good. You know, support the stores, especially the new stuff that comes out. Stuff, you know, try to try to get to there. But you know, sometimes if you're trying to really just get into it initially, and it's a good way to get a large army, and um, a lot of times it's just yeah. finding lots. And you know, again, there's different sites between like ebay barter town um even our cog collective has a little secondhand thing right you know yeah. or, or people selling in yeah. so it's a great way you know some people get out of it or they're just trading armies right you know that's kind of what i'm actually kind of fading more towards right now is just doing trades right you know like i have these models you have those let's trade you know yeah yeah um and so yeah i know and got in and opened up some extra because there's like hey here's this guy has this lot and there's this extra stuff you can use that and that's split a lot you know so that's what happened so one of the lots we split had some legion models which i was really excited about because that was an army that i knew that i eventually wanted to play Mm -hmm. another lot that we split was a merc lot yeah and i got the cephalic side of things because cephalix yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah but it's it's a great way to um, it's a great way to get get armies or to get models, and you know, and, and it, at least half of the work is done for you most times yeah. because they're assembled at least, yeah. and sometimes they're even nicely painted, right? Yeah. One of the downsides, though, is when you order something and it arrives, and you're very excited, and you open it, and all of a sudden, just pieces and bits fall out of your package. Mm-hmm. Am I right? A little destroyed, yeah. 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 I, I recently bought. Um, a very small lot on eBay, and it was very, very nicely priced. There were nine models in it. Six of them were broken when they arrived, mm-hmm. and I was pretty upset about it. And it was all because of how the person packaged it. Mm. He put them all in a single sandwich Ziploc bag and put them in a small box and put a little bubble wrap around the bag. And that was it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, inside they went... Squish, squish, squish. And so I've done a lot of repair work lately on mm. my hobby desk time. Yeah. I'll talk about that later. But so, uh, so what kinds of things do you look for um, when you're, because you have sold things on eBay too. Yeah. So what kinds of things do you, do you think about when you are asking sellers about shipping? And what kinds of things do you think about as a seller when you ship? Let's, let's unpack that conversation a little bit. All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can break it down in all sorts of 
sorts of ways. And, you know, I've learned even this in the last couple of weeks, and that's what kind of inspired this too, was, was one guy, um, I can deal with a little bit, was the way Pact kind of impressed me and the way I ended up shipping a larger lot kind of let me down because I listened to the guy at the post office more of like, you know, oh yeah, you know, just everything will just fit in this box. We'll mark fragile on it and it'll be fine. And no, then was, and then it wasn't fine. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. fine. I felt bad, right? You know, post so, office guy doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Unless he's a nerd. Ask him first if he's a nerd. Yeah. Get his credentials <laughs> and then ask for it. I want to see your nerd card. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things. I mean, you can, obviously, if we're talking about shipping, you know, there's, you know, the USPS, UPS, FedEx. I don't really know anyone who actually personally does FedEx. But, um, you know, UPS, a little more expensive. USPS, kind of the cheaper way, you know, especially different flat rate boxes, everything like that. Um, so one thing to consider is, you know, is what what's your purpose, where is it going sort of deal, right? Um, I don't really do international shipping because I don't really want to mess with that. <laughs> yeah. So I can't speak as much there, but domestically. Um, so, yeah, the different services, different prices, different speeds. And as some people in the Discord have, um, you know, mentioned, it's like just spend a few extra bucks sometimes, right? Uh, <laughs> or you get a, uh, was it a Hoochaller that came in pieces or a Sea King? Oh, I don't like, know. I think Jason was complaining about one time. It's like, ah, Took like two weeks to get it, and it came all busted up. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's those considerations, and then obviously depending on what you're doing, you know, who's gonna who's gonna pay for that cost, right? Or you know, what what cost you want to get into. But anyway, those are kind of your basic ones. Um, I even thought about it, like if you're moving, you know, how do you even want to pack it if you move? I mean, if you have more than what your bags, which we've talked about different storage for bags, yeah. right? Yeah. On a previous episode. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, how do you want to pack those <laughs> so you'll be safer? Now, granted, yeah. you'll be handling that, not some guy on a conveyor belt that's just tossing them left yeah, and right. right. Yeah, Trying to make um, a quota for package checking. Yeah. yeah. Which something to keep in mind is now, even if it has marked flat, fragile, pretty sure it's just going to get tossed around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. My, so my packing experiences have actually been pretty limited most of the time. I've never done uh, eBay or Amazon or anything like that for model purchasing except for, like, new product. Um, all of my reselling or all of my used products has been in person, usually locally or somebody else like that I knew nearby or something. Um, so I've, I've been fortunate that the stuff that has ever come in pieces, I've always known ahead of time and it's never been because of transport. It's been because they were in pieces from repairs that needed to happen that didn't happen. Um, the only experience that I have with personally shipping models actually happened recently. It was um, Alex Cosma bought some of my uh, some of my Signar stuff, and I did the easier thing, which was I found a box that was going to fit, and I have some spare foam trays and stuff like that. And so I packed a lot of the models into the foam trays, and then I was also selling him, sending him a new inbox. Um, oh God, the trencher. Uh, structure the blockhouse. Oh, I was sending him a blockhouse, and so I just made sure everything was pressed nicely on top of the foam, so that the stuff in the foam wouldn't come spilling out, and yeah, and then packaged it all up. And it's, I mean, he didn't complain, so I'm assuming that everything made it like in in ship shape. So yeah. And uh, Alex, if you're listening, I don't care if you give me that foam tray back or not. <laughs> I sent it with the full intention of not receiving it back. I don't care. Well, and actually, that's a really good idea to think about too. Like we have. Like, everyone has those extra, like, foam just kind of like Or sometimes, around. like, pluck foam yeah. that was, like, your first pluck foam and you've upgraded yeah. into something else. Like. Exactly. 
And and so I've what I've seen people do a lot of times is they'll use all the old trays that you're not currently using to, you know, to transport. Yeah. So like I recently um, picked up a Legion lot, and you know, and and Danny had put it all in the in like a lot of the built stuff was already in a foam, and it's the same foam that fits the, like the Army Transport, which yeah. I happen to have an Army Transport bag yeah. too. Uh, what am I doing? And uh, <laughs> and so, um, but like, uh, but I also know that sometimes when when someone is getting out of something, like when they're getting out of a of an army type, and they have yeah. foam that is designated for certain kinds of models, yeah. they, they they uh, bought a battle foam specifically for yeah. Like they send the, the Wolfrider cavalry or yeah, something that's cut specifically to them. Right. So like, I recently sold my Kador army. And I had 14 different specific trays yeah. that were for Kador models. Yeah, Iron Fighting Pikeman and yeah, the, Ulans, the Ulans and then something yeah. else. Yeah, and the Doom Reavers. I had the Doom Reaver foam. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so the so the new owner, you know, he he's he's gonna all this be, wonderfully yeah <laughs> he's perfect fitted foam. Well, and and here's the thing, and I, and, I, and what's funny is I knew that we were gonna have this conversation today, and. And I know that recently I got those nine models online that were, you know, busted. So, like, when I went through and packed all that Kador, I made sure that it was nice. I was like, <laughs> I don't want these things to, like, yeah. you know, in from my front door to his car. I didn't want them to, you know. And it wasn't, and they weren't going yeah. to in that short of a distance. But, yeah. um, but at least, like, you know, I'm sure, it was, uh, but it made it easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Whenever I'm, if I'm ever moving, which I've done quite a bit, I've moved almost every year since I moved out and started living on my own is if it's ever models that I'm concerned that I can't just put in a flat open box and transport. If it's something delicate that I'm concerned about, what I'll do is I'll take a bag, unload some of the bag and then go back and reload the bag, reload mm -hmm. the bag with those models that I'm concerned about in the foam so that they have a safe transport. Oh, nice. But otherwise I've got like a couple of boxes that have like, they're just like flat open tops from something like a, uh, uh, like a paper ream box or something yeah. laid like that yeah. and just kind of put them in there so that they might slide around, but then just put them in a front seat where um, they're going to be safe. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the biggest thing we, you know, we're dealing with is the, is the damage, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is how do you get it? Because occasionally you're going to get an arm that breaks off or, you know, uh, something, you know, some of these models, right? They just, yeah. they have contact weird... points. Are, yeah. are hopefully are what you're hoping for in breaks right um yeah because those are easily middle. repairable you yeah, don't want right. like a snapped piston arm or something like or that. a spear or a staff yeah. you're just like oh yeah. man that's gonna be a hassle right yeah. so it's all that mitigation process which like i said brings us into kind of the the packing of it right is like then okay how do you how do you pack you know and kind of address some of those but um i know one of the is the boxes right like getting a good box <laughs> yeah for me like i said i was trying to i was trying to fit like this one lot in particular um but the dude was really cool you know a uh, lacquer boy is what he goes on a bar town there um and so jimmy kind of helped give me some some helpful hints on it and i tried to follow some of those like you know get it close get it packed you know so it's not gonna they're not gonna shuffle around much yeah. right you know so right. they're not gonna slide around you know i tried to get most of it into some bubble wrap and then got in the box so that there wasn't much movement but again it's still i think just because of some of the like jacks and stuff maybe the way they were sitting you know yeah. they just they just got broken even with all the fragile um it's one of the things was like go with a bigger box <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah. is is even if it's tightly packed in there maybe 
you know, it's more expensive or it might be a little rough, but just go with the slightly bigger box. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it gives you that more room to yeah. maneuver and, well, the and other, pad up. The other issue could be that you don't you don't know is maybe not only necessarily the box getting tossed, but something getting tossed on top of it. Yeah. Because yeah. if something else heavier on top, like lands on top of it, it may not seriously damage the box, but if it compresses one of the sides or the top of the box or something enough, like there's a chance that uh, it just it squeezes on those tightly packed right. models enough that something pops. Yeah. One of the things that I think is very important and is that when you're when you're taking the extra precaution. Uh, for you know, for making sure that things get shipped well and, and with as little damage as possible, communicating with the person who's receiving it, saying, "Hey, I did this, and this is why I you know made that yeah. choice or whatever." And I think um, I think that can be very helpful, you know, so that they know the intent is there for you to you know that you're taking care for it. Yeah. And I think that it'll color their response to you in the. In the unfortunate event, if something does actually yeah. break, you know, in shipping or something. I mean, if you want to get really, yeah. really attentive about it, you could take pictures of like the way that you're packing it and right. send it and be like, "Hey, this is these are the precautions I took. This is how I packed it. Yeah. Hopefully, every, like everything should make it in one piece. If anything's broken, like please understand like that I'm not purposely sending you broken models or something like that. Like, right. Exactly. If you want to be totally transparent and well, one of the things do. interesting too is uh, is on that eBay you know, website woohoo, is, you know, <laughs> is you have, you have reviews, you have mm-hmm. buyer and seller reviews. And if you're one of those persons who gives really good communication, then most likely the recipient is going to give you a better review, which is yeah. going to give you, you know, Dan, you have a lot to say about that. Cause that's one of the things that you check when you buy, don't you? Yeah. Thanks. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's, we, there's a lot of those that can go on and, and just if you're looking at the rating wise is yeah i mean check check that the person's rating right um is is something to look into sometimes right and and helpful to know if they're experienced in it or not now again ebay could be selling a bunch of stuff i've sold a bunch of different things so i'm not necessarily model selling wise but you know if you go to a store or something Mm. um i know then the other ratings like you leave comments like traded really good or you know stuff like that right and so you just kind of check those out and see what what their feedback is. Make sure they're they're good. And, you know they have some good feedback and everything is is always kind of helpful and also gives you a good idea of how experienced they could be. And so that's definitely one thing you want to kind of kind of check on. And even like I said, being clear in that communication. You know, talk with them and and say like, hey, this is what I plan on doing. Or do you have any suggestions? Like I was asking, like, hey, what? You know, you probably do this more since your rating's higher. What what's your suggestions for this? Yeah. Um, and in that too is being very clear on what what you expect and you know maybe what some of the pitfalls like oh okay hey i won't be able to ship until you know two or three days right or something you know let them know and like i always followed up with like a tracking email like okay hey i got it sent today here's the tracking number yeah you know there you go and so with that too is also on another side like i said i've been making a lot of little trades lately Part of the problem, I get to a new website and then I want to establish myself and I want to do things and I want to boohoo, you know, um, this is cool. And one was uh, like usually the lower rating ships first, right? So ship off and it can be kind of scary, right? You're shipping off some of your stuff and, you know, you're just hoping the person on the other end is going to be going yeah. to be good, right? And so far it's all been, it's all been fine experiences. But um, one guy I had, I had sent and 
thought we made the list because it sent me some pictures and you know hey here's these built models and here's here's the version of the or pictures of the painted ones if they fit for you i was like okay cool yeah you know and so i sent and then you know i got his package and i kind of looked at it and went oh because he had multiples of one it's like two that were built and painted and one new in box and i was only mm-hmm. getting two of them and I thought because the picture had both units in there that I was getting the painted ones, and he sent one of the new in-box ones. I was like, well, I guess I wasn't clear in my communication of yeah. what I expected. I said two of those units, yeah. and I got two of those units. Yeah. I mean, but, it, it could be maybe that yeah. because you didn't specifically ask, he might. it might have been easier for him to to send the new in box and one of the other ones. Like it may have just worked out better in boxing that way. Exactly. You know, and that's one of those things. It's like, okay, and I'm not upset about it really because I'm like, well, I, that's on me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't clearly say, hey, we're exactly doing this for this. But yeah. um, like I had sent them some stuff that was like, I was like, this is stuff's a little broken. It's already broken. I'm telling you ahead of time. <laughs> you know, it, so be, be aware that these do need repair and was very clear yeah. in that. Um, and what I've done too is like if there's already a broken piece, is put them in like in a separate bag. So yeah. that's like here's the bits bag. Yeah, here's the bits. <laughs> everything that's broken. If something else is broken, that happened during shipping. Yeah. You know, please let me know. Give me some feedback on that. Let me let me learn too. Like maybe I didn't quite ship it right. Yeah. Um, that's like this other lot that I picked up, and it was some Crucible Guard. So yeah, now I have some Crucible Guard army. Congratulations uh, yeah. on your new army. Uh, <laughs> and I already bought some like Rocketmen too. Which, which factions do you not own? I think that's going to be a shorter list. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Have in my <laughs> Honest, house or, you don't or have to answer. what do you not own? Want to play. What do you right? not own? Not own is the, is the question. Not own Go is the damage. question. What do you not own? Uh, Kador. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not going to count Rhett too much because I have like you maybe have, a 30 point. You own Rhett models. I have, like, Rhett models. I have like 30 on. points of Rhett. So you right. do not own you Kador. Own Rhett. Yes, I do, do not own I do not own Kador. Um, I do not own Scorn. Okay. Um, Grimkin. Okay. Let's see. Legion. Oh. Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. That's, okay. That's so, all I wanted to do. So your, your not own list. <laughs> it's pretty impressive there. <laughs> I will not own Infernals, right? You and... You and uh, <laughs> you, oh, yeah, you will. Own. You will. Uh, you and Brother Scott, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I I now only own two. I have I have Legion and I have Scorn and I guess Minions. You yeah. know you gotta yeah. you can't kind of cap. Yeah. Have to cap like that. In fairness, I'm trying to sell so like three. three or four more factions. So <laughs> I know it's totally fair. It's totally fair. But it's it's fun to poke while we can. Yeah. So poke, I, poke, poke, I have I have Signar Circle, a little bit of Minions, the Minions that work for Circle and some Mercenary stuff. Yeah. Like I might have one or two Mercenary cactus casters a handful of jacks and then some solos and a couple of units and that's yeah. it yeah so you and me are kind of similar yeah. I, I i most of my mercenary stuff is actually all gone i got rid of the majority of it a while ago yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I have, actually i might have a buyer for my signature stuff so there you go nice i know i have a couple of your mercs. fuel infernals <laughs> yeah but um yeah to wrap to bring it back around a little bit i guess is like uh so the guy i got the crucible guard from he packed really well. Like I said, that was kind of the inspiration of this. Like, you know, it, um, most of it, that kind of little break broken. He's like, Oh yeah, I think that was already broke beforehand. You know, like uh Sylvester or Sylvester's, uh, plume off his, oh, his yeah. vial and, uh, the infantry UA with the, the bannerment or, or the mm-hmm. staff, the big, maybe that's the leader then or something. 
I don't know, I'm still learning the models. But, yeah, the staff was broken off. and I mean, so not too bad, right? Um, and a couple arms busted off. But, again, a little super glue, get those back yeah. going. Um, but, yeah, it was really – it came in, like, a much larger box than kind of I was expecting. Um, again, it was a lot of it. And a lot of them, again, were almost in individual boxes. Okay. You know, so you could touch some of those or, like, wow. heavily bubble-wrapped. Um, and one neat trick that – I kind of didn't think about it. I did a little bit, but I had gotten rid of, like, most of mine, like, the week before is the mini crate boxes. Oh, yeah. And the um, blister packs. The Yeah. You know, because that only has a little sheet of foam. That's what they kind of come in, and that gives that that little extra stiffness. So, he was able to get, like, two or three models on most part crammed in those, like, blister packs with Mm -hmm. foam. You put those. You can stack those. They kind of help protect themselves. Yep. A oh, little really bit, clever. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of gets just—it doesn't take up that much more space, but then it just individually protects those guys a bit yeah. better because they're not sliding around. Yeah, it gives them a little bit of rigidity in case something else gets set on yeah. top of it. Yep. Um, and the plastic helps, like just stiffen it up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and makes it a little more weather re- weather resistant too. I guess if it got all the ever came in, came to that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hopefully it's not. But I did ship. Some hero clicks back in the day where the guy said like the box like just came soaked like it actually came supposedly like in another bag so like the post office recognized that it got soaked and put it like in a ziploc bag oh wow and then like delivered it like that's that, not wow. you. yeah that's completely trash now how did that like someone dump this thing in water anyway <laughs> so, i mean okay so fell fell off of a truck fell off a truck puddle, yeah. that's what happened pretty much yeah, so, right um but yeah the the mini crate boxes uh he was able to get a couple jacks in there, yeah. you know, um, especially magnetized, like, you know, oh, yeah, totally. Some of the ma- you know, yeah. you pop off the arms and like they fit pretty nicely oh, in yeah. there. Um, so it's just a lot of that, like just seeing the way it's packed and then like an extra layer of like, you know, foam or not foam, but like uh, bubble wrap and stuff around the outside of the yeah. box just to give again that extra little jostle. Um, like you guys said, the, the foam trays, um, I've had mixed dealings with those is like, I think the custom ones might be better, but the generic, you know, hey, this figure fits right here, is I once got a shipment where they were in the trays. Well, they were probably shipped that way, but the box had probably got put up on its side or yeah. maybe flipped over. Uh-huh. And they all fell out. Yeah, and so there's just pieces everywhere and hidden, and then there was like a hole in like a corner of the box. So I have a feeling that I couldn't find a few like arms and like maybe weapons that uh-huh. probably slid out that way. So... um Again, kind of the mixed feeling on the foam where it could probably be good and give that rigidity for sure, yeah. right? Um, but don't just rely on tossing it in foam and tossing it in the bag. You know, maybe yeah. maybe throw that bubble wrap around the foam so that the foam trays don't move. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if they do tip That's over, yeah. it should just hit. You know, if you have a foam topper, throw the foam topper on there too. I mean, I got tons of extra foam toppers, yeah. which would have been another thing I guess I could have shoved in there or the pluck foam. Yeah. I had also recently just got rid of most of my pluck foam extras. Mm. from plucking out the trays where mm. it was like I literally like a three, oh, yeah. three foot by three foot box of these plucked foams yeah. that yeah. I could easily shove stuff in but yeah. I had just oh. like a week prior uh, sent everything out because yeah. I was like I got room in my trash it's out of here yeah, yeah. Oh, one of those weird whoops. things of like um, one of those weird things is you don't think about that would be great for shipping because you could, like even if you have a bunch of those pluck uh, those pluck pieces and then if you're also shipping in foam that could be a good way to fill space on top of a jack or something like that yeah like or if it's like a cab model obviously the the shape of the foam is going to be the size of the base and the overhang but yeah. it doesn't do anything to account for the model the space between 
the model in the middle and the outside edge, you can put a couple of those pieces in there to help make it um, so it doesn't flop around in the box or something like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like even if you're laying your figure on the side, lay some underneath to like make a bed of it and then yep. put some on top and yep. you kind of sandwich them in there. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's great. Brilliant. Yeah. And a good way to reuse stuff that would otherwise just be garbage. Yeah. I had, at one point I had a, just a big stack of the little foam cuts from blister packs over mm -hmm. the years and things like that. I always, I held on to them from time to time for uh, just not throwing them in the trash and just holding on to them for like transporting stuff. Um, I actually give yeah. my, uh, my blister packs back to guardian games. Oh really? Um, yeah. I give them to max over there because, uh, cause they buy and sell uh, used war machine or Warhammer all the time. Not, they don't yeah. do war machine anymore, but Warhammer. And so, and so he'll take them and, and he'll use them for, you know, for that stuff. Oh, yeah. cool. So, so I haven't, I haven't been throwing away blisters for a long time because I've been reusing them that way. Yeah, so, I've got it. I've and got he's a thankful for it. Around. He uses it. So, um, if ever, uh, yeah. So, uh, this was a good conversation. You know, as uh, as hobbyists, as uh, as collectors, as gamers, you know, this is a, a topic that we don't, you know, really talk about a lot. And so it's nice to get give it some give it some service, give it some airtime. And hopefully, um, hopefully our listeners will, um, you know, just be take extra care next time they buy or sell something, um, and have to ship it, or even when they don't have to ship it and they get to deliver it locally. Yeah. You know how you pack matters, and you want you know you want to exercise the care for it, uh, because the the new owner will want to exercise the care for it. Right. So, uh, let's wrap up this episode by talking about what is on our hobby desk. Uh, any of you guys want to go first? Chad, why don't you go first? What's on your hobby desk? Uh, so I recently did a couple of commissioned D&D characters uh, for uh, for someone that plays in a regular group. Um, and I just recently did Sky Sentinel. So what I've got currently is I've got my Well of Orboros that needs some paint. Um, I've got Kraken Octus that I need to get primed. Uh, I've got my Strike Jets for Monster Apocalypse to paint up. Um, is currently what I'm looking at. I still have some commission orc stuff that I haven't touched in a while that I need to get around to working on. I'm just daunted by it a little bit right now. But those are some of the things that I currently am looking at trying to get some paint on. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Dan? Excellent. Um, I'm finishing up some uh, some trolls, Valka, Northkin Raiders, and Pig Lookouts. Um, I'm kind of regretting the choice of like paint, painting two units at the same time even though they're oh, using no. similar colors it's just so dauntingly yeah. like yeah paints like okay i'm going through this and then i'm i'm kind of using the same but then they're different like oh it just takes me longer right when i can only yeah. paint in like 20 30 minute increments yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like this one color here um so somebody, once i'm finished them up i was gonna say somebody posted something like that on uh one of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of about how they're like, oh man, that moment when you regret doing batch painting, I'm like, as somebody that does that, like I totally, I totally understand because it feels like you're not making any progress exactly. for such a long time and then suddenly you're done and you're like, oh, I feel better now. Yes. That's kind of the point I'm that's getting to. kind of where you are exactly is trying yeah. to do 20 guys all at the same time or whatever. And yeah. Eventually, you'll be you'll just sit down. And you'll be like, "Oh, I have two colors to do, and then I'm done. And then twenty guys are done, and just put it away." Yeah, they're they're down to like uh, some shading. I already did the skin shade, and then um, and then the rest, and then highlights, clear coated. I already got the bases done because yeah. I kind of I'm doing them separately because I got some of the um, pre done like resin type bases. Oh, cool! And and did them up, and so they'll be they'll be ready to go soon. 
And then after that, uh, I think uh, Cole Grimma. I'm going to get her done. Nice. That's kind of my goal for the next couple weeks. And then I'll have like two troll lists if I can make lock and load and I can play fully painted. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I found out that uh, Malifaux 3rd Edition drops on June 28th. Oh. And so I've been putting together um, my, some models for a couple of different warbands. And I have some... 3D terrain that I need to put together. Um, I bought the there's a, I think it's called oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but I think the, the line is Color Ed. So they they're, they're already pre-painted uh, terrain, but you still have to assemble them. And so okay. they, they kind of they go together sort of you know, in that interlocking kind yeah. of way. And so I have two reasons for why I want to do it. I bought some pretty generic terrain uh, that can be used both in my Malifaux campaign, but also in my uh, 40k stuff. Okay, cool. And so I'm pretty excited about that. So, mm-hmm. so I kind of have that, and you know, and I still have some drop zone commander stuff that my buddy is encouraging me to finish. <laughs> and so um, the biggest thing for me was being was going through kind of reorganizing my hobby space. And so not having a Kador army to take up a lot of space mm. um, has been very helpful. And, uh, and so um, one of the things I'm trying to think about is putting in a desk and kind of making that space mine. And it, it's going to involve a little bit of rearranging and a little bit of convincing my wife that this is an okay decision. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, she's great. Um, but um. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just need to, a yeah. little bit of reinforcement. Yeah. Like yeah. This and is this is the smart move going forward. Yeah. And I don't want to spend a lot of money on a desk. And yeah. really, just a generic table would, would work. Um, uh, just got to find one with the yeah. right leg spacing, I think, yeah. or kind of the dimension. So. But that's that's our that's my hobby time, I guess. It's, it's not very exciting the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Me so, either. I, yeah. Up until I painted these commission jobs and the Sky Sentinel, I hadn't painted anything in, I think, close to a month. Yeah. I've just been busy with other things. Yeah. I've been definitely getting in more games. And, yeah. And I'm I'm more game-focused than I am hobby-focused, and I kind of always have been. Um, the hobby side of me, I really want to grow. And yeah. it'll happen. I mean, it's got to, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll get shamed into painting armies eventually. <laughs> I have I have some stuff to assemble today, actually. Okay. I'm doing some commission assembling for someone who doesn't like assembling models. And then I've also got... Uh, I have a bribe from my boss to paint his miniatures in the form of a Mortarian that he bought for me. Okay. So I have a Mortarian that I will be assembling and eventually painting this monstrosity of a giant model. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to meet up with my buddy Steve for a War Machine game this week, and looking forward to that. And I think he's at 50 points, so it'll be, I think, his first 50-point game. Yes. And um, and we'll see what Ozzy, see if we can get another game in this week, and probably run Merkel 1 again, just because yeah. Merkel 2 is almost too easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. well, I mean, it's not oh, that, man. it's not that, it's... <laughs> It's just the last two games were just with Morgul two were yeah. decidedly one sided, and it was, it, you know, I mean, it was weird. I I had never really seen that kind of a lopsided as the one who's the victor. I've been lopsided as the, you know being in defeat, but 
but it felt weird for me. So we'll get your with us uh, kaiju list going in. Yeah, I got to get my kaiju list going. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, what do we got? That's episode number seventeen, and um, I'm I'm I want to thank all of our listeners, and we just uh, put in a plug for for us if you. If you like what we're doing, if you enjoy the conversation that we get to have um, a couple times a month, and the best way to help us out is by leaving us positive reviews, and uh, it encourages other listeners to find us as well. And uh, so thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 17 of Spellstorm Miniatures. This episode of Spellstorm Miniatures is brought to you by Hidden Forest Gaming. Hidden Forest Gaming provides game mats and terrain sets for all your gaming needs. Enter discount code SPELLSTORM10 to receive 10% off your next purchase.